Welcome. Good morning. I've been spending a lot of time this year on this question, what does it mean for my heart to really be open to God? What does it mean? What does that look like? I've been praying a prayer, the prayer of examine, that is helping me talk with God about that. If you would like to find out more about that prayer, there's a blog post that we have uh, that's linked to in our bulletin today. But this prayer is leading me to ask God almost daily this question, where have I been open to you? And where have I been closed to you? And what's shaping that question is coming back to me seeing who Jesus is and who he wants to be in my life. And that's the gospel of Mark. Mark confronts us over and over again with the question, and who do you say that he is? He chronicles different ways that people answer that question, and so many people that we're seeing in the Gospel of Mark that, that Jesus encountered, they were trying to understand Jesus, they just weren't getting it. And especially, this is what's odd to me, his 12 closest followers. I love what Kyle shared last week. It, it just hit me for the first time how, how astounding it was that Jesus sends his disciples out to spread the news about who he is when they aren't even clear who he is. It gave me some hope. <laughs> and as we begin this part of the text today, I wanted to do something together. I, I wanted to invite you to pull out a card from the seat in front of you or something to write on, or if you are a phone person, you open up something there. I want to give you a couple questions, and I want us to just take a moment as we get into this text today, and I want us to kind of talk through these, uh, think through these questions, and here they are. What is the real challenge of Jesus for you? Now, I'm not going to collect these. We're not going to take them up. Uh, th this is just for you to answer. What is the real challenge of Jesus for you, and where have you hardened your heart to who he is? I want you to take a minute or two and just write out the answers that you would have to these questions.
today in Mark chapter 6, we're going to see some people who were so close to seeing who Jesus was for real. But why do they miss him? And why do we still miss him 2,000 years later? Now, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 33. I'm going to be using a translation that's found in our study guide. It's on page 149 is where we're going to be today. Setting up the scene of what's just happened, the disciples have just returned from a long season of ministry. As we saw last week, they were out traveling two by two. They were doing the work of Christ. They were sharing who Jesus was. Even though they weren't that clear who he was, they were still doing that. And now they've gathered back with Jesus, and when they got back to Jesus, Jesus said, let's get away. Let's take a break. So they get on a boat. They head off to an isolated place for some peace and quiet. And then what happens next is a story that's recorded in all four Gospels. Verse 33. Many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there together by foot from all the cities and arrived before them. And when he got out, he saw the great crowd. Now, i got to be honest. If it's me and I'm trying to get some rest, the last thing I want to see is a great crowd waiting for me. But not Jesus. And when he got out, he saw the great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things now what does he teach them once again we don't know mark doesn't record that he is more interested it seems in how people react to jesus's teaching but he does share with us something he shares with us the heart of christ a heart that had compassion on them and i've often wondered how did mark know what jesus was feeling in his heart I can only assume that Jesus maybe shared this offline with his disciples, or perhaps Mark was drawing upon something, an ancient biblical phrase, sheep without a shepherd. This is how over and over again the prophets would describe Israel, the nation of God, whenever she did not have a leader. We see in, in Numbers that it says, uh, who shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd? Or 1 Kings, I saw Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no, what? Shepherd. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for a lack of shepherds, says Zechariah. This is the way that God's always had a heart for his people. And what we're seeing with Mark is Mark is saying Jesus sees people the way that God sees people when they have no leader. The sheep without a shepherd. This should be a major clue to us. And his heart is compassion. And so Jesus and his disciples are exhausted, but Jesus begins to teach them. He begins to shepherd them, and he does so for a long time. So long, in fact, that verse 35, the hour became late. And his students came to him, and they said, the place is isolated. There's no food around. The hour's already late. Why don't you send all the people away so they can go to the surrounding country and the villages, and they can buy something for themselves to eat. They were in an isolated place. Remember, they were trying to get alone. They're in a place where nothing grows. It's kind of a wilderness area, a desert area, so to speak. Kind of reminds us of a similar story. If we went way back in time to the book of Numbers, God's people had escaped from captivity in Egypt, and now they were where? In a desert. There wasn't a lot of food there. God was supernaturally providing for them this bread, this manna, but people kept complaining because they didn't have enough meat to eat, so they went to their shepherd, Moses, and they said, we are hungry. And so he turned to God and said, how can I feed all these people? 
back in our story. But answering, Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they say to him, should we go and buy 200 days wages of bread and give it to them to eat? Now remember, Mark likes to show us people's reactions to Jesus. His disciples are not reacting with faith, they're reacting with reason. Jesus, <laughs> do you know how many people are here? It would take like 200 days of wages to feed all these people. I remember a few years ago, I saw Bill Gates being interviewed on a talk show. And they were having some fun with Bill, and they were asking him the price of everyday items like a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread. And they were like, Bill, how much is a gallon of milk? And he's like, $10. Bill, how much is a loaf of bread? 50 cents. Like, he had no clue what everyday things cost. Maybe the disciples think Jesus is out of touch with the cost of stuff. Like, Jesus, we don't have that kind of money. No one has 200 days of wages laying around. So he says to them, well, how many loaves of bread do you have? Go see. After they did that, after learning, they said, five loaves of bread and two fish. And he commanded them all to recline in groups on the green grass. Now, I find this a little bit interesting because Mark's not really one for detail, right? He is often in a hurry. He sometimes exaggerates. But he rarely gives us any kind of detail. But he gives us one here. They reclined on what kind of grass? The green grass. Okay. This might be a clue that it's springtime. It might be a clue that we're near Passover, maybe. They reclined in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking up the five loaves and the two fish, he, looking up to the sky, he gave praise. He broke the loaves, he gave them to the students to set before them, and he divided two fish among all. What was his praise that he gave? We don't know. This is a guess I'm going to throw out to you, but Jesus was a rabbi, He probably gave some kind of traditional Jewish blessing or thanksgiving, maybe one like this. This is one. Blessed art thou, eternal God, our Father, King of the universe, who causes bread to come forth from the earth. Blessed is he that wrought miracles for our fathers in this place. Amen. Mark says they all ate and they were satisfied. Now, when you read Mark's language, it doesn't necessarily reflect that this great crowd knows a miracle has occurred. They, no, we don't know if anyone besides the 12 disciples know what happened. All people know is they sat down, uh, they were hungry, and all of a sudden Jesus and his disciples started handing out food. Great. It's almost like one of Jesus' most famous miracles takes place unnoticed. Bread just kept showing up. Where else have we seen bread just showing up? in a desert. They picked up the broken pieces, filling 12 baskets and the rest of the fish, and those who ate the bread numbered 5,000 men. Back in that day, they would kind of count, it's the way they did it, they would just count the guys, and and so that would mean that there are also women and children around as well. After everyone is fed, they collect what's left over, so there might have been eight to 12,000 people there, but they only got 12 little baskets left over. Pretty precise. This is a miracle not of abundance, but of precise provision. How many times in your life has God perfectly provided for you? Just enough to meet the need. I mean, we like to celebrate the, the, the abundance of God and the power of God and a God who could do more and more and more than we imagine. But are we equally amazed at the God who knows us so well and our situation so intimately that he says, I will provide exactly what you need. No more, no less. So there's this miracle. What's the point of this story? 
Well, the disciples are about to find out. Because immediately he compelled his students to get back into the boat, go on to Bethesda on the other side. He sends the crowd away, and after parting with them, he withdrew to the hillside to pray. And when it grew late, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And seeing them struggling to make progress, for the wind was against them, he comes to them not long before dawn, walking on the sea. And he was intending to pass by them. Now, this has always puzzled me. I don't know if you've heard this story and you've wondered about this, but why was Jesus intending to pass by them? This last Christmas, we got a rescue dog named Maple. Uh, we named her Maple. Uh, well, we took a family vote. Jessica's idea was Maple. We all voted, and then uh, we named her Maple. And <laughs> Maple likes to sleep really hard at night. But when it, she wakes up in the morning, she is ready to go for her walk, and she's ready to go potty. Yes, I'm 49 years old, and I still say potty. <laughs> Jessica and I will get up in the morning sometimes, and we like to get up early. We go work out. We get back in time to wake everybody up and make breakfast and get kids off to school and stuff. And so the, the challenge of our mornings is this. Can we get out of the house before Maple sees us? Because if she sees us, well, she's going to go crazy and start barking. And, and so we are sneaking around in our own home. Here's a photo of this event happening. <laughs> That's probably like 5.45 in the morning, and I'm, I'm creaking on our wood, and she's looking out, and if she can see you, it's over. And so we walk so quietly, we are intending to pass by her so she doesn't see us. Is this what Jesus is doing? Is he trying to sneak past the disciples on the water so that they don't see him? And, or intending to pass by them. Maybe this is more like the time that God revealed himself to Moses. Moses wanted to see God. Do you remember this? He's, he's leading all these people. He's like, I, I don't know if I have what it takes. God, if I could just see you, I would have some reassurance. And God says, if you saw me, you would what? You would die. If, if, if I just showed you who I really was, you would explode. He didn't say that, but something like that. And so God says, let me come up with a plan, Moses, so you can see me. There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock when my glory passes by. I'll put you inside a cleft of the rock. I'll cover you with my hand until I have what? Then I'll remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Maybe Jesus is not sneaking on by the disciples. Maybe he is passing by. Maybe he is intending to reveal himself in a new way. Did they see him? See him walking on the sea. They thought, it is a ghost. And they cried out for all saw, they all saw him and they were terrified they don't know who this is. They don't know what this is. If they had been more open, maybe they would have remembered a miracle like this before. A time when people were crossing through the sea as if it were dry land. But immediately he spoke with them and he says to them, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, we're reading an English translation, right? So, so this is the English version of this. If we were reading in the original language, what Jesus literally says is, I am. No fear. I am. No fear. When Moses asked God, what is your name? Who can I tell people that you are? God said, I am. It's starting to come together. 
people hearing Mark's gospel that knew their history would start having some chills up their spine. They knew about the God who was I am. They knew about the I am who led his people through a split sea as if it were dry land. And now a man is walking on water as if it's the land and his name is I am? And he got in the boat with them and the wind stopped and they were utterly astonished within themselves for they did not understand about the loaves but their hearts were hardened. They didn't recognize Jesus walking on the water, not because that's just a, a, an amazing thing to understand, but because they didn't understand about the loaves. Mark sounds pretty critical right here. Their hearts were hardened. I mean, these are the 12 guys who just, you know, they've been so obedient, they've been following Jesus, and yet he calls them hardened hearts. Mark, these are the good-hearted guys. <laughs> are you suggesting the disciples should not have been surprised by Jesus walking on the water? Are you implying that their response of terror was, was wrong? Are you, are you saying that these guys have the same kind of hearts as the Pharisees, the hard-hearted ones? You know, almost every time that you see this, this phrase, hard hearts, in the Bible, it's in response to some miraculous power or demonstration of God. God performs a miracle, people refuse to believe him, and it's told that they have hard hearts. Now, we tend to think of hard hearts like that's a pretty callous thing. Well, those are the Pharisees, or, or maybe it's like someone, an atheist or an enemy of Jesus. But the disciples weren't hostile to Jesus. They were listening to him. They were following him. They even did ministry in his name. How could they be hard-hearted? Without open hearts, we can miss who Jesus is and what he wants to be in our lives. How were they hard-hearted? And again, Mark gives us a clue. Their hearts were hard. They did not understand about the loaves. There was something about the miracle with the bread that these guys did not get, and that's why they missed Jesus. And if we can understand what that was, maybe we can understand why we miss Jesus still today too. Which leads me to these questions that we raised at the beginning of our time together. What's the real challenge of Jesus for you? Where have you hardened your heart to where he is, to who he is? Maybe, our, maybe like these 12 disciples, we're watching things happen in our lives, but we're not drawing the right conclusions. Maybe our hearts need to be softened or even opened to believe what is happening right before our eyes. And maybe Jesus is calling us to see him in a new way. What was it about the bread that Jesus expected them to see? I mean, it's an amazing miracle. Don't get me wrong. It's great. It just doesn't seem to be on the level of casting out a demon or raising a girl from the dead, which we've seen him do. But let's pull the story together that Jesus is trying to tell. They were eating together in a desolate wilderness. They were sheep without a shepherd. A man appears who feeds them. These clues are pointing back to Moses to this greatly revered leader who led God's people out of captivity and into freedom. And when Moses found out that he was not going to be able to, to finish the job, that he was not going to be able to, to get his people finally over that hump into the promised land, he prayed and he said, God, would you please send someone else to do the job? Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go up before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord shall not be as sheep that have no shepherd. God immediately answered that prayer with a man named Joshua. 
But the lesson of the loaves that the disciples should have understood is that they were in the presence of more than a carpenter, more than a rabbi, more than a prophet. They were in the presence of a man who was God's final answer to this prayer. He is the sheep, the shepherd for the sheep that have no shepherd. And then this man walks on water, passing them by as God himself passed by men in the past. These two miracles, here's a man providing bread in the desert. Here's a man walking across the water, passing by. These two miracles coming together are unveiling who Jesus is, and the disciples should have gotten it, but they didn't. They knew he was a man. They knew he was amazing. They could not believe the unbelievable. They couldn't understand the miracle of the loaves and the miracle of the water walking. And all the clues were here for them. Moses, desert, bread, passing by, crossing water, dry land, I am, hardened hearts. This story has Exodus written all over it. Exodus, the moment when God brought his people out of slavery. So what is God bringing these people out of and into now? The kingdom of God. See, there, there, within a few pages, there are two feasts in Mark's narrative. Last week, Kyle showed us King Herod's birthday feast. This week, we see bread being eaten by the shore. One feast is with a foolish ruler. The other is with a compassionate shepherd. One is with a ruler who craves a power he'll never have. And the other is a king with the power to provide exactly what we need. By putting these two stories together, Mark is showing us there's only one person worthy of the title Messiah. And if we can't see this, or we won't see this, or if it doesn't at least make us blink and rub our eyes and ask the question, who is he, then you know what Mark does? He shows us we're in good company. Because let's be honest, it's hard to see who Jesus is. I've been following Christ for 35 years. I still have trouble recognizing who he is. I still struggle to see this greater response that he's calling me to. I still feel like there are times <laughs> I'm on this boat and he's walking by and I'm like, who, where is he? Who is he? What is he doing? But it comes back to this. Without open hearts, we can miss who Jesus is and who he wants to be in our lives. I don't think Mark is being as critical as it sounds. When he says the disciples are being hard-hearted, I mean, what else would you expect? This idea that God would become man and walk among us, it stretches every neural pathway we have. I do think, though, that Mark is giving us a warning. To grasp who Jesus is will require more than just a little faith. It will require a complete change of heart. And fortunately, that is what Christ has come to bring. So as I close this morning, I, I want to encourage you with this. The more that we continue in this gospel, the more that we will see that Jesus gives space to people to follow him. He allows them to keep trying to figure it out. He's going to get frustrated. He's going to say, why don't you get it yet? He's going to get frustrated, but he still gives space and invites us to ask, who do you say that he is? What are you figuring out about Jesus? I want to revisit those two questions that you wrote down. And, and, and I'm hoping that with these questions coming up that you will be seeing some progress in. What is the real challenge of Jesus for you? Where are you, where are you what are you figuring out about him? And where this morning is he speaking to you saying, your heart is hard to me. Open it. 
to lean into these, we need more than just faith. We need our hearts to change. And for that, we go to Jesus Christ. Will you go to him with me right now? Let's pause. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I pray that you open my heart to where I have closed it to you today. I confess that you are a challenge for me, but I don't want to miss who you are. Will you work in my heart? Will you open me to who you want to be in my life? Will you pass by me in a way that I can see you and believe? In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?